Hello and welcome to Tea and Heresy. This is a podcast on history, magic, the occult, spirituality, literature, art, and the occasional socio-political rant. My name is Cassie. I hold a Bachelor of Arts and Honours degree in history, and I'm so grateful that you're sharing your presence with me today. I invite you to make yourself a cup of tea or coffee, or stop in somewhere for a takeaway as we're about to dive into some juicy discussions. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Tea and Heresy. I am once again joined with the mischievous mage, Daniel LaRulian Cumming. How are you, Daniel? I am very good. How are you, Miss? Um, I'm good now that I've got my coffee. Uh, so today we're wanting to touch on our experiences and our interpretations and understandings and all that good stuff of magic and with special focus on the occult and more so around demons because demons tend to get a very bad rap within especially the new age community because they are very christian focused um you can see a lot of them it kind of goes hand in hand you get the new age coaches or influencers and they're a star seed they've got Archangel Michael or Gabriel as their right-hand man and do their healing modalities through that and then speak really down and poorly about anyone that touches on anything to do with the shadow, darker aspects. So, Daniel, what I'm wanting to, I guess, touch on first is what got you into working with the occult to begin with? And then secondly, which I can remind you about because I know you're prone to tangents, <laughs> so I'll pull you in line, um, about what your process was like with, I guess, that deconditioning around mm. working with these energies that are taboo. So, yeah, what, was, what got you into working with the occult and it, with, like, special focus, I guess, on demons? Uh, I actually got out, you can't see the video, but I said so the first, this is good because I'll read a little passage from here soon, but what I have in my hand is the first magic book that I ever got into, and that is Hermetic Magic by Stephen Edred Flowers. And it was a good book for me because it's a very academic book. So I saw the PhD on the front of it and at the time when I was just getting into magic, I was very skeptical. And so the first whole section of the book is actually a history of magic through Egypt and Greek history. And so for those who don't know what hermetic magic is, hermetic magic is essentially the basis of what you see in everything like to do with like chaos magic, um, new age magic, um, just magic in general is usually hermetic. And what that is, is it's when uh, Egypt was assimilated by Greece, and then they started to transcribe a lot of the magical papyri from Egypt, and then they started to work and try the magical systems uh, with their kind of Greek perspective on things. So it's actually like one of the original syntheses of cultures. That's a hard word. Like synthesis. <laughs> it's a it's a synthesis <laughs> of culture and. The thing is, like, this is important because it, yeah, it was one of the first times that we started mixing different cultural 
uh, pantheons and, and systems and stuff like that. I'm sure it happened very naturally anyway, but this is the first evidence of how it was done successfully. And what I mean by that is that they were able to make a coherent system where they still had a framework to follow because it was very ceremonial magic, like which means there's a, a general set system of how to do certain rituals, but you can tie in different pantheons and different intentions and tweak the ritual based on what you had, um, and yeah, the intentions for. Plus, there's a cohesive kind of understanding of the cosmos and the soul and bridging it all together. So, yeah, if anyone hasn't read Hermetic Magic um, by Stephen Flowers, highly recommend. It's it's very good. And he's designed the book to actually serve as a template. He says early on, he's like, this book isn't meant to be followed to the T as a system. This is meant to inspire you to actually create your own system of magic and to but to like learn the temp like of what a successful synthesis looks like because most people these days just throw a bunch of stuff together mm. and they have no way of like testing how it works or even like a cohesive framework to keep following like every time it's very different and all that sort of stuff and and how do you know what you're actually working magic other than just like you know lighting a candle doing things here and there um so yeah and it, <laughs> me and Cass were talking uh about doing another podcast soon about like a lot of people basically uh projecting a lot of the stuff that they see as cool spiritual stuff onto egypt and yeah we won't get into that but like if you want some grounded information about what egypt's magical history is actually other than all the stuff that you hear most of these like, downloads yeah just these like other than upg stuff re also read this book um, but also this was like really changed my viewpoint on the word demon because this actually explains uh, that, you know, the word demon came, comes from Greek daemon. And Cass, you've talked about this a few times, I think, in, in our past podcasts as well. And it's something that is so important to realize because they didn't see demons as a bad thing um where there's this differentiation between angels and demons now and this does explain that a little bit but i'll read a little passage on here so it's like this is also pre-christianity as well so saying like the term itself existed prior to christianity and then when christianity came along they adopted it and changed it yeah, yeah. and um and just quickly before i read this to answer your question of how i got into magic so my my actual first proper practicing of magic was a form of magic called evocation and it was generally summoning spirits right so invocation is generally the the difference i see invocation evocation is invocation is like calling down like like a, the essence of a deity so invocation is usually what you do with like bigger deities right so bigger deities might be like you know you know zeus or or freya or i'm just quoting is it like embodying them like calling them into embody is that what yeah that's calling kind of them like? into embody but it's like you're not actually it's like a more courteous way right mm. it's um instead of going hey like freya <laughs> come here i order you to come here right this moment it's like oh i i, I just want to call on the archetypal essence of freya you know mm. embodiment and stuff like that whereas like evocation as as it's like it's explained in a lot of the grimoires is actually wherever they are like imagine, I'm just imagining like this little spirit just like doing its own thing, and then it's like suddenly it's like, zoom, 
Sure. <laughs> and, uh, you know, in Sandman, you know yeah, how yeah, it's yeah, kind yeah. of like it's like that. That's that's evocation because you actually <laughs> summoning the spirit straight to where you are. And if you're following the, you know, the classical grimoires, essentially binding it and pointing a sword at it and telling it to do it, do you, do your bidding. So that's not my approach these days, and and that's where we get in the difference between uh, demonology and demonultry, which mm. if you can rem- if you can bookmark that, write it down, because um, <laughs> I'll possibly quite probably go into a tangent and and forget about it. But it's an important distinction to yeah. make. Um, but yeah, there's lots of, and that's the thing. There's no, I mean, some people will argue that there is the right and a wrong way to approach all this. Like classical grimoires will say you're an idiot to actually summon a demon, uh, without following the grimoire to a T. Mm. Whereas like some people will be like, no, that's unnecessary. Not only is that unnecessary, but it could lead to some really unwanted results. But, Mm. um, uh, what was I going to say? Anyway, well, um, oh, that's what I was going to say. So Jake, Jake Stratton Kent is a really big pioneer of um, and like classical grimoire, like medieval, medieval grimoire magic, and he's practiced them the way they're supposed to be practiced. But what his theory is now is that these aren't necessarily uh, demons or spirits that emerged out of the Christian or Catholic pantheon. They were actually older gods um, that got absorbed into the pantheon. And he specifically, like, references a lot of the the Greek gods. And he calls them, like, Olympian spirits. Yeah, because mm-hmm. Olympia is, oh, Olympus is, uh, you know, the domain of the the Greek gods. And so he's got all these theories. So, yeah, um, Geosophia is a really good book by Jake Stratton Kent. And he's, he's amazing. He's just like a, you can tell that he's actually done the mm-hmm. work, like, use the grimoires. And you look like, at the size of his books as well. Yeah, exactly. And, um, yeah, he's got some interesting theories. But, again, they're just, you know, theories, right? But, like, there's a big difference between being an armchair occultist and just sitting in your chair reading books and being, like, you know, or even just watching YouTube videos and TikToks mm. nowadays. And then and having an opinion. Information <laughs> when you actually work with these things. And, like, I've, you know, I've summoned a fair amount. Like, um, most of my magic has been evocation <laughs> and summoning spirits. And, like... Yes, there has been situations where I've had a bit of kind of chaos and unexpected results in in my life through this, but I've never like had bad experiences, which are objectively like all they've done is cause bad things in my life. Everything's, um, yeah. Anyway, I digress. And yeah, and every every situation that like has initially been uncomfortable, um, or you know, not ideal or could be considered bad luck by some has always led like always led to a better outcome like i can't mm. think of one time that it hasn't but it's also you know my mentality as well it's how you approach things and i remember when i when i was getting into this the guy who kind of gave me the books on it he actually said that he tried uh using these grimoires and and summoning these spirits and his whole life fell apart and he never touched it again and so he gave like he was happy to give me the books he's like here like he's like have a read of them, but like I recommend not doing it. I was like, oh, okay. And then I just spent the next year like learning how I can do it. Um, but I also did it respectfully as well. Mm. Like I took like a year of preparing before I actually went and summoned a spirit. Mm. So um, yeah, I made sure I did it properly. Mm. But the thing is as well, like yes, it, it it can bring chaos into your life and stuff and it can remove things, but 
you know, from what he told me, I think like he said, it like broke, broke down his relationship. It, um, you know, it ended his, um, like, yeah, it, it kind of got him fired from his job. But from what I, he told me as well, I think those things were just not good for him anyway. And mm. I feel like the magic was removing things from his life in order to give him something better. But he just took that as like, oh, no, the magic is bad. The magic is evil. Um, and a lot of people do that. You know, people have these yeah. experiences. And just because it's a bit uncomfortable, like when is magic ever, like proper magic ever really comfortable? Right. Mm. If you're if you're comfortable, you want to stay comfortable. You don't if you if you want to stay comfortable, you don't want to be doing magic. Just putting it mm. out there. You know, you can do. And little... if you remain comfortable, you're basically you're not doing it properly. Yeah. Because <laughs> um, it's kind yeah. of like with the um, with Moldavite, like the huge. I'm currently wearing a piece of Moldavite, but I remember there was a whole TikTok craze about it, and people were placing all of their, I guess, all the chaos that happened when they started wearing it and saying, "Oh, well." it'll bring this and it'll do this and it'll do that. And it's like, it's rechanging your path to get away, like to remove all the toxicity out of your life. And it's like, yeah, you may have broken up with that person because you're not meant to be with that person for that time. Or actually you realize that they're draining this from you and treating you this way. And yeah, like, you know, losing a job. Well, you kept complaining about that job, but you didn't have the courage to stand up for yourself and your rights and your boundaries and leave and go for something better so it kind of prompted you to mm. do that um yeah we ch often view these changes and it's like the whole thing with eclipse seasons as well and all of these realignments that the astrological happenings are you know doing <laughs> mm. um we can view them as quite negative but they're just strong powerful moments that our little human selves know at a deep level are necessary but our ego wants to keep us safe and it's like mm. oh no it's bad because it's going to be putting me outside of my comfort zone and i have to expand we don't want that we want to stay comfortable because that's nice and it's in our we know what what to do mm. we don't have to learn anything new but the obstacle is the way right yeah and people forget that when you're working with magic and you're working with like something non-incorporeal or non-corporeal, which means it's not like a really tangible physical thing, mm -hmm. like anything spiritual, anything like metaphysical needs to be filtered through your own perception. And, and what happens when something is um, filtered through your own perception, it has to, it has to, it gets colored by whatever lenses you're using, whatever beliefs you have. So you might summon a spirit, but then that's, spirit it, it's not as simple as like spirit is there and you perceive that spirit as it is like there's an energy right and then that energy is received by whatever like thing is receiving it and then it's like colored the way you color it so if you're if you go into this believing in a very christian or uh, dogmatic catholic belief system that this thing is evil and it's out to get you then that's what you're going to experience mm -hmm. um and so you need to, yeah, like you were saying, decondition yourself a little bit. Now, I'll just read this passage so I can put down the book. I'll just read this little passage <laughs> on Damon. Um, so this is from uh, uh, Hermetic Magic. So a daemon can also be seen as a demigod, an independent, relatively immortal and powerful entity, but not as powerful as the great gods of the official national cults. In Roman terminology, an entity similar to the daemon was the genius. A, f a familiar spirit inherited along gen genetic lines in the family or gens. So that's why the word genius um, 
is originally referred to like a familial spirit or like a like a family spirit but then like the higher uh highest version like higher self so like the word genius say oh wow they're mm. a genius it's like that it's like the best possible version of themselves that they can be according to their ancestry or genetic line mm. kind of thing right so every family has a genius you know you can say oh you're the genius of the family yeah. <laughs> um but that actually had more of a profound meaning before yeah. we invented this and this was like you're the head of the family or you're the you're the spiritual representation of our ancestry and the one who was actually going to uh bring back uh you know yeah carry on the legacy kind of thing um so yeah it had a lot of implication there's all these like simple that's why i love like greek and like latin stuff because mm. yeah, this is what we like etymology yeah. etymology yeah um that you know there's so many terms that we take for granted nowadays that had you know have kind of like got watered down mm. but like you know we say we use the word genius a lot oh they're a genius like yes we say it with like reverence to a certain extent but like really like genius like there's so much to it anyway um so daemons are in and of themselves neither good nor evil they are rather like humans that way right their characteristics are however much more fixed and permanent than those of humans who tend to and humans uh, tend to manifest a number of different character traits at every any given moment so the the egyptian magical papyri mentioned two major classes of daemons the agatha uh what is it agatha daemons aka good daemons and then the kako daemons were the evil daemons the good ones are used for benef beneficent purposes while the evil ones are employed to affect maleficent ends but more often daemons are mentioned in a neutral sense as demigods worthy of respect and worth worship right angels on the other hand are quite different from daemons the chief difference between them lies in the fact that the angel is not independent yeah it is the mere messenger or active principle of a greater god so it is only fully useful to the magician if the magician has some measure of control over the god or goddess of whom it is sent. So th that's the thing as well that like people see angels as like very like they give. I feel like these days we give angels a lot of personality, which is fine and it's very natural to do so. But but that's why if you Google there's angels or Google like uh, what is it? What is the term? biblical biblically accurate uh angels because there's a very different like you've got the cutesy like either like Bill cherub human form or like really buff with like the big wings and they look yeah. all like sexy and stuff <laughs> whereas like yeah biblical like original like grimoire based biblical angels are terrifying that's full um, of eyes yeah and but the thing is they are the basically like mechanizations of so you can see god right because uh, it's it's hard to there's a lot of unpacking to do here in in regards to breaking like your because you you would have grown up with the beautiful angels right so basically this is the way i perceive it and the way that's often explained is that god is a mechanical universe right so god is a system there's a like god is a, like likes everything to be a certain way so you know and you can't take this literally as God being like a, 
you know, uh, you can take it as a literal man, whatever you, but anyway, we're talking God is a mechanical process and the angels are like the, the workers that carry on that mechanical process, but they don't really have much of a personality and they don't like straying from the, from the process. Right. Whereas demons are actually like a little bit more uh, sentient and they, they, they're happy to throw in a bit of chaos and they're happy to work outside it. So they're very rebellious and that's why they get a bad name because they're rebelling from the natural order of God. And so angels are quite like they can be very beneficial as long as you're working within that framework. So if you're happy to go to play by the rules and to like work in a particular way, angels can work really well. But if you go outside of that, they can be terrifying because they have no room uh, outside of their mechanical operation. And so what that can mean is like they're so cold. It's funny, mm-hmm. actually, because we think of like angels as like warm, you know, like embracing creatures. But they're actually like in in the way I understand them and in a magical system that, that couldn't be more further from the truth. They're actually cold mechanical creatures yeah that if you step outside of their mechanical way of operating they're just like not even gonna give you a warning like that's it they're not like gonna be like oh no don't do that rah 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 that's it like they'll like cut through every part of you that um and what i mean by that how that can show up in a practical way is that if you summon an angel in order to like make something happen that is not within that uh way of operating like when it's a daemon it can be a little bit more of a muddy area and things can happen but like it could just throw everything off kilter and it's a weird feeling to be honest i i I have to be honest i haven't worked much with angels because um what i've uh experienced has yeah been a bit i don't want to say unsettling but um it's like confronting yeah, I, I don't work that linearly. Some people, like, really connect with angels. Like, You're a Pisces. Yeah. Of course not. <laughs> I work in between the lines. Yeah. Um, and, yeah, and it's, like, because they're so systematic, they you pretty much have to. So Enochian is a, or Nokian is a really good system to start working with, like, proper angels. So that's John D and uh, Edward Kelly's system. From so, around the 1500s, John D. For the listeners, John D. Yeah, was, was the say, court... Do you want to get in librarian mode? Oh, uh, I, I so want to do an episode on it. I want to. I I love John D. <laughs> I find him so fascinating. But he was the court astrologer of Queen Elizabeth I, and the court magician of Queen Elizabeth I in the 1500s. Um, he people tried to persecute him. He went, he was exiled for a little bit, but then he came back. They always do. Um, and so he had, and um, Edward Kelly were working together, working together to channel angels and to transcribe the messages of the universe. He had like the scrying mirror, like the um, obsidian glass. He had drums, he had pebbles, he had the whole thing. Um, just a wealth of absolute knowledge that, um, yeah, I want to look more into him because... I'm so fascinated by them. But yes, um, his Enochian magical system, please continue. I was just going to recommend a book um, if anyone wants to like get into a proper uh, Enochian system and like properly work with angels and stuff. I've doubled into a little bit, but um, 
so basically, it's called the, the Sevenfold Mystery by Michael Kelly. It's a full uh, Enochian system of magic. So, um, yeah, The Sevenfold Mystery by Michael Kelly. So it's a huge book. And, and that's the thing as well is that, like, I feel like because angels, and I just want to preface this as well, everything, like, like everything I say has a preface and has a preface, but, you know, because it's people who have, you know, worked with angels or have oracle hmm. card decks or whatever. Um, are you there? I just lost you for a second. Yeah, but my battery's dying. Oh, okay. Um, are we, we going to be right to continue? Yeah, yeah, she'll be right. Sure. <laughs> um, yeah. So people might say, "Oh no," but I've like <laughs> I've been visited by you know Michael or Raphael or you know whatever angel that you're, and that's fine. Like that's I'm not uh, delegitimizing that experience. But the thing is, you have to understand that you know people think that that angel is the one that's always been around but there's like lots of different versions if you haven't read or watched um uh american gods uh, they explain it really well like or portray it really well in that like there's an episode where uh it has jesus in it right but there's like i think i showed you the episode Mm. and but there's like a hundred different jesus's i was like with the ostara yeah is it that episode yeah 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 and like the way that they kind of like is every thought form, like or egregore to a certain extent, every thought form ends up developing its own kind of like existence. And so, you know, there's so many different Jesuses, right? You've got like the, you know, white Jesus and then you've got like Hispanic Jesus and you've got black Jesus and like you've got Jewish Jesus and, you know, there's like all these different versions. And so, you know, everyone fights and be like, no, Jesus is like this, but you can be like, no, my Jesus is like that because those thought forms and and that's where it's it's difficult to converse with some people about this because they're so literal and they're so uh attached that like like a person like cassandra right you know it's not like you know there is a truth to cassandra right but then also there's there's the thought form of how there's my cassandra right there's of mm-hmm. how i i perceive you there's someone who has only ever listened to your podcast perceives you um, you know, there's how your family perceives you. So that second example of like how how you're perceived is more so because uh, all of those are real in each of our minds. But the, then there's no there's like actually one Cassandra which is all based on. Mm-hmm. But but in mythology, like in my perspective, some people might say otherwise. But there's no actual physical being that we can that we can measure and say, oh no, that's the true like jesus right or that's the true this um and that's missing and so you have to allow um different perceptions of that being and that can result in things so to circle back why i'm saying that is that if you have worked with a particular angel and you say no they're not cold they're not mechanical they're not this they're not that you've worked with a thought form or a version of that entity or angel which is a modern depiction that doesn't mean that that's not real or it's not like legitimate or that invalidates your experience. It's just not a classical depiction of that. So that's a version of that entity, like a a newer, like, you know, a younger version, essentially a more like adolescent version potentially or watered down or or whatever. I was going to say watered down. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And so it's still legitimate in a certain way, but it is not a traditional way of working with angels. So, is it a legitimate experience to, to have that experience with an angel? Yes. 
is that a traditional, biblically accurate, grimoire-based accurate depiction of an angel? Fuck no. Uh, and so this is why where we need to start to draw the line and people are saying that these angels are like this, that, that's your depiction, that's it. Like, I highly recommend researching grimoires, like grimoire magic. This is where a lot of this is stemmed from. Um, so... Can I just tagline yeah. off of that? It's like with anything to do with history is when you try to get the primary sources as close to the time that the event took place, as close mm. to it as possible from intimate experiences with it, because we can see the difference of interpretation from, say, and even that in itself can have variations because it's people's perceptions and the agendas and all of that. So you get the primary source material as close to the event as possible and you compare it to a secondary source from 500 years later and compare them and they can be quite different. And so if you're working or using these systems that have been created as close to the formation of or the creation of Christianity, and um and then even like with judaism as well that a lot of them come from and then the greek elements as well just try to get all of them together to see how people properly or like interacted with them in their earliest form is the closest you're going to get to i guess their the accuracy of or like the intention behind the creation maybe or like their authentic nature yeah um like the og and then through all the history with different people summoning them calling upon them worshiping them writing about them creating stories about them two thousand years later we're you know we're at the point of 2023 of people working with archangel michael could be and is vastly different to when they were doing the grimoire magic in was it 1300s grimoire magic 1315 yeah, I think around so, that yeah. time, it was yeah, like it was the similar, Key of Solomon. Like, yeah, similar. Like it wasn't wasn't far off from the Viking Age because that's why you end up with the Icelandic magical systems, which is kind of grimoire magic mixed with runes and things like that. Yeah, so that's um, like the around like ten, yeah, like eight uh, dates. But I know there's like eight hundred, eleven hundreds all around that time, um, because Christianity as well didn't become this formation that we know it to be until quite later on down the line like it was closer to the middle ages than you might like to think that christianity was formed in terms of the bible being formed of um like the meeting of nicaea of them joining all of the the stories together picking and choosing which ones they wanted to to make a nice chronology and to make it this you know more systemic and in a natural like a an ordered timeline of events mm. and then that was like okay cool now this is a proper text that we have that we can base everything off of um and then you get like with constantine and all of that around that time as well and then from there is when the elite started and like getting involved in it because it became the widespread religion of the west around that time Mm. um and then you get the destruction of pagan traditions and the absorption of pagan traditions into it which then would in turn influence their outlook on christianity because what did you say to me one time it was like um how early christianity was more pagan and modern paganism is more christian yeah 
Is that was that the right way of wording that? Yeah, yeah. So and can you expand on that? Because that that was cool. Yeah. So if you think about how Christianity was eventually adopted, because like everyone before, you know, Christians will not say this because they <laughs> they like to argue that even though Jesus was literally a Jew, that, that there's nothing else before Christianity or some sort of similar narrative, but <laughs> um essentially they were adopting a new way of being right and so if you've like not only yourself but or your family generations before have all been doing something in a particular way and you suddenly have to start adopting a new way of doing it not only is that going to be difficult like you're going against the grain and against your natural flow um but you're actually doing it from a whole different lens right and so what what i'm saying with that is that you would have grown up with a pagan like heathen uh you know way of operating in the world and then you're trying to adopt this new belief system inside of that right whereas fast forward to modern day whereas it's flipped because christianity um even though there's still pagan and heathen elements weave through it that have survived we're primarily in this christian idea and Christian society, whether you, you know, whether you say, you know, you ever went to church or not, it's, it's weaved through our, our movies, our um, books and everything. Right. And so now we're trying to uh, have a resurgence or reintroduce consciously reintroduce these pagan elements, but we're doing that from a Christian perspective. So we're going, you know, we're going like, Oh, I'm pagan. I'm heathen. Like I'm going to adopt all these deities and things in, but yet when you start to work with the spirit world, all your spirits are evil. You know, you see this all the time in like pagan groups where everything's like airy fairy, la, 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 la. But then any kind of contact with authentic spiritual experiences, it's always, it's a bad spirit. And why is that? Because in Christianity and Catholicism, pretty much every spirit you encounter that isn't, you know, considered an angel is a bad spirit. Whereas in, in classical Tantra, in a, like classical heathenry, um, like spirit, the spirit world, the fae folk are generally neutral, right? You know, there's a lot of mischief, especially in like Indo-European uh, heathenry to like with the fae folk and stuff. There's a lot of mischief and, you know, some like genuinely malevolent spirits and stuff. But most of the time you find is something neutral and it depends how you interact with those spirits, especially in classical Tantra and stuff like that. Um, yeah, it's just very neutral. Like most, like you've got like 80, 90% neutral and then you've got like, you know, five to 10%, uh, benevolent, which are good and five to 10% malevolent, but most of them like not even concerned with you. Um, you know, they're just doing their own thing. It's like humans, right? Like there's not a lot of difference both from, from a classical view and from my own experience in working with these than from working with humans, right? You know, you walk through a, the middle of a city, right? You've got 90, you know, most of those humans couldn't give a shit about you, right? Maybe the odd person in there, given the opportunity, they would take advantage of you in a situation. So then maybe they've got like more of a tendency to uh, malevolent, malevolent, like not so great intentions. And then, you, you know, and then the rare person in there, given the opportunity, they would help you out in a particular way, yeah? So it, that's like that with spirits. Most of them don't care about you. They're not there to just cause bad stuff. 
Um, but there is the occasional um, exception, but they're, but they're the exception to the rule. So, and, you know, it just seems that most people, if they have an experience, it's probably, and I, I don't want to, I'm going to have like people, you know, people writing into your podcast and be like, I, my, my experience was legitimate. And like, <laughs> I'm sure it was legitimate, but a lot of times from my perspective, it's just, you've had a, like a traumatic experience in, in a spiritual container and emotions have come up and it's probably just like your unresolved stuff mm. in regards to your belief system rather than an authentic spiritual experience. But then you'll, yeah. But again, it's like, there's and that's the that's i guess the beauty slash the issue with spirituality because you're never ever going to truly know i mean people who had this experience will say differently they'll say oh it was purely psychological i'm just insane or they'll be like no it was 100 percent legitimate experience but like how do you know and what is the difference between that and you can't really know but that's the trickiness because you know people attach to these ideas and there's no way of knowing. So that's why I think having, having the ability to have these conversations and, and to be able to hold both perspectives at once, paradoxically, right? Can you say that, you know, that a hundred percent that experience was real for you. It was a real spirit and it was a hundred percent legit, but at the same time have the skepticism to be like, there's actually no way of knowing if that was an, like a genuine experience, whether that was purely psychological, where, whether it was something else entirely, whether I made it up in my own imagination, because both are true. Really, like mm. you have no way of knowing. It's pure, it could be purely in your imagination, but that doesn't mean that it's not real if it affects how you operate. Um, yeah, is that making sense? And Yeah, I, it goes you, into just people and human behaviour, people that attach stories to things instead of just like allowing the emotion to come up and recognizing for what it is cool that's an emotion that's anger that i'm feeling or even not even attributing a, a thought to the feeling because i think that was a practice i think that you were getting us to do in the yoga teacher training plug um <laughs> that or feeling or maybe somewhere completely different but feeling an emotion come up and noticing before you attach a label to that emotion mm. of feeling that sensation first and foremost and then to be curious of like okay what is that emotion is it sadness grief anger joy lust like what what are they and then noticing the idea of placing a label onto something in itself is a construct mm. because that's what we've been told that emotion is that we're feeling is it really that the whole thing <laughs> and then what comes with that once you've recognized that emotion then trying to find like a lot of the time when we're in that hyper sensitive state we try to rummage through our subconscious to try to find the story that it comes from trying to pinpoint where is this coming from and then attaching to that and being like that's this is what i'm experiencing now is the exact same that happened x y and z times ago and that's all that we can see then that filter and that lens it's like we put on those shades of glasses and that's all that we're seeing mm. when if we take them off we can see it for what it really is which could sometimes be not that thing that you're <laughs> you know that you're viewing it through mm -hmm. it could be something quite different 
or it could be showing that similar essence there for you to then work on to be like okay I'm noticing there's a similarity with what's happening now to what happened 10 years ago how can I treat this moment differently how can I approach it differently yeah. why because it's like why is it coming up and that's when working with astrology that's what I found to be a benefit because it's always energy is recycled and once you have that idea of energy is recycled it's like okay if this is going to come up again but how am I going to approach it next time I don't want to keep revisiting it in the same way I don't want to keep feeling it in the same way I'm wanting to process it differently I'm wanting to view it differently and growing from it and all of that yeah um but I am interested to hear, I guess, when you approached this system, like I guess it goes back to how you were brought up because you were brought up with a religious family. And so when you came across this wealth of knowledge and this this type of work that I guess in the, in the well, it is in the Christian t- church, demonized quite literally um what was your process of approaching it like did you get that fear come up of you like oh i'm not meant to work with this or oh this is this is evil or were you yeah what was that process like for yeah, you? yeah it's an interesting question yeah and it's, it's good to talk about because um so yeah when so my family my grandparents like my grandma especially she was the only one that really went to church actively um so she was like christian anglican i think was the the actual denomination of it but um and i i went to church with her a few times mainly for the music the music was amazing and she was a piano teacher so i think she really enjoyed the music um but my like my mom and my sister and and stuff like still they i guess it's like a loose christian like the thing is like and the thing that actually probably makes it even like worse or more dangerous for our entire society is that this is just our default that the fact that they weren't religious at all really i wouldn't consider them religious they weren't practicing Mm. any of it but they just accepted that this is the way that the world is that that it was so ingrained that they didn't even need to practice to adopt that belief system that um they just like defaulted to this is the way it is like you know you're good you go to heaven you're bad you go to hell you know that like god is real and um that i remember actually i have a such a vivid memory i don't know how old i was but it was the moment that my mum told me that santa wasn't real um uh, you know i should have like <laughs> trigger saying, warning for any children trigger. listening to this podcast <laughs> you know, but the thing is like yeah well uh, santa wasn't real according to her mm. <laughs> um yeah that santa wasn't real uh easter bunny wasn't real to- tooth fairy wasn't she's like oh, let me have just... it all at once <laughs> I cried. I remember bawling my eyes out crying. Um, <laughs> but you know what she said? I remember her saying, uh, but God is real. Mm. She's like, you know, this isn't real, this isn't real, this is real. And I think something clicked in me. I'm like, but, you know, if all those, if I believe so strongly in all those ideas and they weren't real, but yet this idea, like, and that sent me on a little bit of a, I think it planted something that later when I was a teenager, I started to, like things didn't start to make sense. And so I, when I got a, into magic, I was more atheist slash agnostic because when I was like, I think it started when I was like 17, I just started loosely researching. Um, you know, I sometimes just like, you know, what? It was, it was funny. It was usually after I go out to a party, uh, if I came home and I was like, I couldn't sleep because I'd been drinking, 
I would actually just scour the internet for uh, religious stuff because I'm like, I, I just want to, I just want to learn. Like, I don't know, it was a weird thing that I started getting in the habit of doing to the point that, like, you know, I'd rather like rather than keep partying and like go hook up with girls or whatever. I was like, no, I'm feeling very introspective. I'm just gonna catch a cab home and then. Uh, read the whole doctrine of Scientology or start reading the Quran. I remember I went down like... A Scorpio the, moon of you. <laughs> yeah, I remember I started like um, getting into uh, sacred mathematics, which is... Um, it's funny because people talk about uh, numerology and stuff, but sacred mathematics is actually... A, uh, well, I mean, there's the Judeo-Christian version of it, mm. but there's actually like the, um, the Islam version of it. So they're like, Islam has actually an epic epic numerological system which i spent like a couple of nights just getting really into um and then i like i think i realized i was like this is i can't go this is just so deep um that i don't have time for this so i did skip around a lot on a lot of different things but basically whatever i read um was cool but it didn't feel right in my body it was like there was too many ways that it could be debunked and contradicted in my logical mind. And I think all of it just needed me to, to blindly believe, which I couldn't do. Mm. Um, even to the point that like when I, you know, someone convinced me that ghosts and spirits might be real, that I had to go and test it. I tried every method and I still didn't get my answer, but it was only when I found uh, this book, Hermetic Magic. And like, I loved that, not only was it giving historical evidence rather than, you know, uh, rather than just like a doctrine that you have to follow blindly. It's like, this is where it's from. This mm. is why they did these certain things. And this is why the rituals that they did to test it. And I could start to do, and it, it, it kind of gave, gave a pre-framing in that, like, you don't just do the ritual once and expect results. You have to prepare yourself. You prepare your mind, body, and soul in order to communicate with the fabric of the cosmos to get an effect and it takes time um but in saying that i got i got results straight away when i started practicing like the papyri but i was ready i was like it was like my last ditch effort um so another plug like i talk about this in much more in depth in the first episode of my podcast make yoga magic again the house of mages podcast um so if you haven't listened to that definitely go listen to that because i'll explain that explains a lot more of my process there um but uh yeah i feel like i'm ten tangen tangentializing again is there a term for like going on tangents uh just tangent. digressing Digress. uh no <laughs> but so when you approached it you you didn't really feel much fear with it you felt oh, no, was it more you. excitement thank you yeah i'm glad you brought me back see always like saving gotcha. saving my and um yeah <laughs> So the big the big part of that was really interesting because I had in my head that I had completely uh, like sold your soul. <laughs> You're going to hell. No, no, no. <laughs> but I, I thought I had outgrown it. Right. Like when I, was, oh, right, when yeah. I started getting into magic, I considered myself atheist slash agnostic, basically. So agnostic is basically like you don't really believe in anything, but you're hoping that something will convince you otherwise whereas atheist is like no i'm 100 percent convinced that this is the reality right mm -hmm. i was kind of in, in between the two more more like atheist agnostic um and i thought i had broken free of my christian conditioning but as soon as i started reading uh so there was a particular book um which no one should ever read or practice because it is fucking hectic but 
do it. <laughs> uh, it's called ceremonial magic. I don't know why I'm showing it to the camera because you're not going to see. You're the showing video. me. Who's it's, it um, yeah, it's ceremonial magic and the power of evocation by Joseph C. Lazuski, PhD. So he's he's like um. Anyway, he he had a <laughs> just also prefacing that like this is I don't practice this. Um, I started getting into it and started like approaching grimoires in his method. I'm not saying it's wrong, but I don't. So this is much more demonology. So demonology is keeping like tr like uh, following grimoires to a T. Like you, so to do a ritual in this, you need like three months of prep work. So it's very astrological based. So you would write certain names of certain angels in certain parts of the magical circle that you're creating um, at certain times. And then you would like, it's all to a T. It's like a lot of prep work. You would fast for like a couple of weeks before you, before you did the work, you would have to get by your sword from certain area of the world. You would have to <laughs> consecrate it at certain times. It was full on, but also in magic, I've learned you get out what you put in. And so doing all that, even if it was just a purely psychological exercise, you do so much work to prepare yourself for the experience that when you're there, like you're, you're committed, you're in, like you, you're, you're ready to go. Whereas like so many people, including myself, sometimes are so much more lax with their rituals. Like, you know what? I feel like doing a ritual. I'm just going to light a candle and say the things and hope something happens. There's no like dedication and commitment and like, you know prepping to it it's like being in a relationship right it's kind of like you know you you could make space and like you know make effort towards it or you can just like let it happen and you know it's a different experience um but <laughs> um yeah so anyway uh when i started reading this and i started to prepare for summoning my first demon i realized i was terrified i i was like so the first time I, I summoned like a demon, I prepared for like, it took me like six months to prepare for it. I got like, it the, the demon was the Sargo um, and it was a, like a goetic spirit. Um, and like, this wasn't just like a demon. This was like a prince of demons that had legions un underneath him, according to the grimoire. And I actually needed to down a couple of like cans of um, like, I think it was like Johnny Walker at the time or something. <laughs> to get the courage to do it because I was like, I, I drove to Brisbane from the Sunshine Coast. I, I went to this, the park that I took mm. you through. There's this like park that I'm not going to tell you where it is. My park, leave it alone. <laughs> that has this big like Coliseum, like stone amphitheater on top of the hill. It's just perfect for, perfect place to summon demons. Um, and I like, I set everything up. I drew all the sigils. I, I took me like an hour to set up. And I was, like, standing there being like, come on, bro. Like, come on, you can do it. Like, come on. <laughs> Doing it at nighttime as well. Oh, it was, like, midnight. Because um, when you took me there, it was dark. And I'm a little scaredy cat when it comes to walking alone in the dark anyways. Or even though I was with you, it still felt like, ah, something's going to come and get me. One of our first but I kept dates. Seeing, yeah, <laughs> very nice. Um, I remember just seeing, like, flashes, like, any sort of flash that I saw, I just got, like, that adrenaline that went through me where it just it freezes me and i'm like oh my god and i was like clutching onto you so hard like going white knuckle because i was so scared let alone 
being by yourself and actually summoning something because we were just you were just showing me the grounds and then even talking about that little um was it like the garden shed thing yeah, like the yeah. gatekeeper's shed that was a bit haunted and mm -hmm. there's like a, a moat not a moat but there's like a lake there as well that didn't you say like you was it the saga that you saw it was like after you summoned him the giant just puppy? like yeah the giant puppy that no, was that's, like that's valafor Valafor. 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 is like the big, uh, like, lion puppy. <laughs> so scary. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's the thing as well. It's like how you perceive it. Like, I, you know, I feel like I have a balance in that I completely approach these res with respect, right? But I'm not, I, I, I approach it also that it, I don't go in with a lot of fear. Um, but a bit of fear, like a fear as in a like respectful fear, mm. is very useful. And I think that's why early on I had a lot of success with evocation because it was terrifying. Like now it's not so much. Um, so I need to like tweak it in ways to get almost like uh, really make it a big thing. Mm. Um, and it helps me to do it in group ritual now because there's that like I can, you know, feel the the mix of different like experiences like the anticipation as well yeah and and to and to go to the effort of like setting up the space and making mm. it very ambient and things and i think like doing it out in public spaces for me especially in that like you know creepy space adds to the atmosphere and makes it more potent mm. and so it, it can be utilized so that, that's what anton levey right so anton levey founded the the church of satan which is a whole nother conversation it's funny because anton levey was pretty much atheist so mm. like it's a big running joke that like the actual original church of satan uh, are pretty much atheists they're, they're like they've been called theatrical atheists right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> uh, because they they like to dress but really just to mess with people um you know it's called like you know how we have the 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 light fluff mm. the light fluff is like the oh love and light la 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 like you know mm. it's like this is very like light fluffiness whereas like dark fluff is like just like being all dark and like you know scary just for the fact because ironically <laughs> yeah <laughs> um but yeah anyway that's not a whole, whole conversation we can unpack that enough. yeah um what was yeah with the difference between the demonology and demon ultry with like doing the demonology was that the more the classical doing it to the t ceremonial magic bind like calling binding chaining yeah kind of the idea of like as abusing demonology. them treating them as your slave and yep. then demon ultry is that just more just working with them as aspects yeah. of yourself or? yeah demon ultry i see is more of like a kind of like uh indo-european heathen uh even like classical tantric practice of just approaching them like you would a friend yeah so um and it's it, there's such a split mm. like demonologists who are like classical grimoires like um you know uh what's her name dot darling mm. uh georgina rose she talks about she's a demonologist you know she she actually has a lot of like reverence for but she understands that they're just different systems right and a lot of people get caught up on it because people who see these things as like uh you know you know living existing things like no you have to approach it like that but it's just a way of doing it, it like it gets things done but mm. anyway so yeah like demon demon ultra <laughs> is more of a way of approaching it like a friend and like you're kind of doing a bit of an exchange in a way that like sometimes all it literally is is just me 
showing respect to them and like and having like having a reverence for them and, and like acknowledging that they exist in a certain way right um so yeah demonology is classical grimoire go through a system summon god uh you are working through the essence of god um or the the idea of it pointing a, a sword at them and telling them what to do and binding them right um whereas demon ultra is more like I kind of see them as like a Pokemon kind of thing. It's like, kind of like, catch him yeah, pull, pulling them up. They each have a specialty and stuff like that. And I just approach them with respect. I'm like, hi, like, hey, friend. No, I, I, I literally, like, I'm at a point with some some uh, spirits that I've worked with so many times. I'm like, hey, old friend. Like, because I've worked with them so long. So it's like, but the thing is, people would say, oh, that's kind of like wrong to tell them to go do things. But the thing is, you know, as, as uh, Stephen Flowers, illustrates in in hermetic magic is they have a very fixed personality and they they are basically like essence or archetypal energies of a certain thing right and like the way that i like to explain it is that you know you like what's something that you really enjoy doing cass what's something Uh, that you really um, enjoy doing like a skill that you have that you love to just do i was gonna say eating um i love eating uh researching yeah researching cool so you know, if you if you absolutely love researching and your entire being is about researching, what if you never get to research? Like that would prove like so. Like, what if you run out of ideas to research? So, like, if I call you up and like, hey, Cass, I'm um, I'm really trying to find, uh, you know, like we we're talking about before, the actual, uh, you know, historical authenticity of all these claims that Egypt had tantra, which mm. I think is complete bullshit because tantra yeah, is not, tantra is literally insane. like. A, descri- a modern day scri- description of like Hindu and Indian based texts. So um, anyway, we won't get into that now. But like, so I'm, I'm, yes, I'm asking you for a favor and I'm asking you to do something, but I'm, I'm giving you an opportunity to enact your full potential, to enact what you're good at, right? And some people just want to do what they're good at. Um, and so this is an, op- you know, and, and so like, yes, it might be rude to be like, hey, Cass go research search this for me or else I'm going to burn your city. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's like demonology. Um, whereas like demonology is like, Hey, like I really need this. Like, can you please do this for me? And in exchange, um, I'm going to like tell other people about your, your amazing services. Like give you a reference, I'll leave a great review or I might like make a song about you or I'll like write, write a, a blog about you or I'll write a whole book about you, you know? And this is what you see in a lot of demonology in that people end up writing songs about it. Like so many like heavy metal bands, for example, write songs about demons and things like that. And, you know, uh, people uh, just make art of a demon sigils or something like that, or they might write a whole book or just, or just share their experiences with it. And through my experience with these uh, entities, it makes so much sense now because pe- they just want to like be sh- known about. And it's like, they, they exist in a certain They've been way. like suppressed. Oh, sorry. Yeah. yeah, they've been like suppressed for so long and outcasted for so long that it's by the Christian church for, you know, segregating them quite a bit, um, that it's just trying to put them back into practice, viewing in that way. And that, because I know we're going on to the tail end, but um, I want to ask you as well, I guess, to debunk the idea of the exchange, because you see a lot of like the taboo um claims of they'll always which is fair enough they'll always want something in return you got to be really careful with it because you don't know when they're gonna just 
come and kill you basically or they give mm. you all this fame and fortune but then they'll just take it within a year's time all of those stereotypes that we do have about demons the devil satan lucifer all of that um just your understanding of what that exchange is and how to go about that exchange when working with it. any honestly any energy yeah and it comes down to like how you perceive this and that's why i think i'm such an advocate for uh yoga and magic because yoga is a process of starting to unpack your actual belief system and start to prepare yourself to have spiritual experiences and have the tools and power to be able to do these and operate and then magic is actually like putting that into practice and creating a con like consciously creating a belief system and a framework to operate within and so i think you know if someone like didn't know what they were doing they just got a sigil and you know they're like cool i'm just going to call this name and do these things and ask for something right then they'll have like whatever the experience they have will uh start to affect what they think is going to happen and that will affect essentially what happens so you know what most will probably do if they have like a, a general uh christian belief is that's going to affect so they're like okay yeah if they if they are into that belief that something is going to ripple back to them then that's probably what will happen and then that's just going to confirm their own bias so that's why mm. it's a tricky slope and so i think before you get into this sort of stuff you should unpack what your current beliefs are why those beliefs are the way they are and then start to read different perspectives read some stuff on demonology and why why it's important to follow the grimoires to to a t and then read the opposite of like demon entry and like and there's like so far that people are advocating for demons rights right mm. you know you've got people like in demon who are so far on the demon ultra they're like no how dare you point a sword at asmodeus and like yeah. asmodeus like it's that. abuse yeah basically <laughs> and i think both like can coexist because i don't i also don't see it as like you know what if what if a demon ultraist is summoning you know visago at one point and then the demonologist is summoning visago at the same time right you know you'd be like oh someone's summoning him and and binding him but then someone's having a having tea and chats with him at the same time like it's hard for our uh you know that's why we we work through the layers in tantra right you know we walk through our five senses and then our mind and emotions and then we start to get into the pranic realm and the void realms where things start to get hazy as far as like what actually is real and exists and so through my perspective these both of these visagos can coexist as different parts of essentially the, the whole void the whole experience and so the demonologist who's who's summoning and you know pointing and doing that is operating through that version of visago which which actually like you know i was going to say enjoys the process but you know that visago works best by being dominated right this is like that that aspect of visago yeah a little wink um <laughs> that uh that aspect of visago wants to be dominated wants to be like uh worked through and enacting its power through that means on the opposite end of the spectrum there's the other aspect of visago which is maybe like the more you know i just want to be loved you know i just want to be like you know because i've i say visago because the first demon that i work with but i've just had nothing but beautiful experiences with that spirit like all you have to do is ask man 
Yeah. Like, you don't need to like control me and like abuse me to do it. I'll just do it. Just give me that glass of wine and I'll do it. <laughs> yeah. And like, you know, I've, um, and people think that like, you know, if I'm caught summing up a demon, it has to be like an epic work of like changing my life or, or destroying someone else's. I've literally called Visago to find my keys. Um, like when I've lost them and I, I've been days without so them. evil. Yeah. And, um, but it's the way that it's worked has been crazy. Like when at one point where I, I lost my keys in someone's apartment um, and I, I had to like catch a, 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 a taxi home cause I couldn't you get, get to my car cause I couldn't find my keys. I had to jump the fence into the estate I was living in and had to get my housemates to open the, the door for me because I couldn't get into my house that I was like desperate. I was like, I need my keys. Um, and so I, they ripped, like ripped apart. So I called Visago and then the next morning I got a call <laughs> from my, my friend whose apartment it was. And she's like, Hey, you know how like there was like five of us in the apartment and we all spent like an hour ripping my tiny apartment apart, trying to find your keys, including taking all the pillows out of the couch to have a look. And I was like, yeah. And she's like, well, I sat down to watch a movie this morning and felt this like thing in my leg and it's your keys. So you want to come and get them? And she was just freaked out. And I was like, okay, cool. That was it. Like, you know, you could explain that logically and, and stuff like that. It's like, we obviously missed it somehow, but you know, it, it's, it's repeating these processes. Um, and so to come back to your question about the exchange like the taboo exchange, like, yeah. you know yeah yeah so yeah i think uh so just like being clear about it right like yeah, being clear about yeah. your exchange of like what i will give you in return is this and kind of be very clear about yeah what it is i think it, yeah with all magic there's an exchange and it like it's an energy exchange which that that term gets thrown around a lot like our oh, energy exchange mm. but really you have to feel deeply in your being that you've done enough in order to to warrant or to justify or to earn what you have asked for so so um demonology or classical grimoire magic magic is very useful for that because you have to do so many different things like there's so much effort that you need to go to for one ritual that like to be honest like is is enough to warrant getting the thing you're like dude i've like universe i've done all this fucking work this better work and it and it does it works really really well whereas demon ultra is a little bit more chill a little bit more laxed and like um informal so you've just got to tap into uh, like a deeper part of you to like and through that archetypal idea of whatever demon or spirit you're calling to be like cool what do i feel needs to be offered from me um and that could just be like if you're in like think about what your specialties are if you're an artist a visual artist create a nice picture of the sigil you know if you're if you're a part of a community that works with you know magic you know, drop drop the spirit's name so someone else hears about it in a in a positive way. Leave a good review. Leave a Yelp review, mm -hmm. right? Um, if if you're a musician, make some music about it. Like, just we even just displayed. Um, I think it was Visago's, wasn't it, or Marcosius's sigil? 
just on because yeah. we have like a little whiteboard we just yeah. drew it up there for like a couple of weeks and so we yeah. felt like it had been accomplished and then we yeah, yeah very few things uh buying a candle uh carving the sigil of that um spirit into the candle and just honoring that and actually like you know bringing it into the 3d like essentially bringing mm. it into the like because it's a it's a non-corporeal concept so making that spirit's uh existence more real and valid in our world yeah um, and i think we like that idea of you need the mundane for magic to work through mm. and like as you said you know there's lots of things that you can put logic and reason to um and i think that with many cases of magic when you do an offering of like and you know give me a sign that you've accepted this offering mm -hmm. you like it sounds so basic but you'll know if it's been accepted or not and i think it's just with any sort of magic any sort of manifestation that you do with the universe where they say be very specific about what it is that you're asking for mm -hmm. just like that thing of be careful what you wish for be very specific about what you ask and be specific about what your intentions are what you're going to give as part of your exchange and be as precise as you can where there's like no room for flow in regards to that uh so then but yeah yeah i mean if unless you want to live life on the edge but i personally don't yeah and it's all a really tricky dance because like you've got to like constantly like i think to be effective like constantly uh question and reinterpret like your lens of how you view things because if you get too dogmatic and stuck in a way of operating it's going to very much limit you in your experience and like being unable to take different perspectives on and stuff like that but at the on the opposite end of the spectrum you you have to like when you're doing the the work the ritual you have to unwaveringly believe in what you're doing mm. um and so that's why it's tricky because people who only ever know of one thing that's the reality for them and they actually might be able to work magic really well because they have unwavering belief in that but then they're so stuck in this thing that um they can't if they have like a concept introduced to them or if they if if they realize that their way of being is actually causing a lot of detriment to their life they're stuck like because this is reality for them they can't step outside of that so it's a it's a tricky um balance like it's it's being called being a psychonaut kind of thing like exploring mm -hmm. the psyche and exploring um yeah the different ways of being and that's why i highly recommend that's another it. book isn't it the psychonaut yeah, yeah psychonaut by um uh, peter carroll it's like a great in yeah libanol and psychonaut is like a really good book but yeah i would highly recommend reading or watching the tv show uh american gods by by neil gaiman because Neil Gaiman, he actually has written a lot of like um, mythological books and knows his mythology so well. But the way he explains how gods exist is like the gods only exist because we believe in them, right? Mm. But because we believe in them, they exist. And so they affect our lives. And so the gods are essentially like trying to vie, the old gods are vying with the new for the belief and the, the devotion of their followers because that gives them power. And it's just a really cool concept because it 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 allows so many like different pantheons to coexist. And it like I love ideas that provide like almost like this collective framework for things to coexist in a logical way. Because it's like, okay, as soon like think about it, as soon as we all forget about a god and there's no physical evidence left, maybe that god doesn't exist anymore. Mm. And so, you know, like you Tinkerbell. Say, yeah. 
And yeah, exactly. And so you could say, okay, well, they're just a manifestation of our own psyche or belief system, but that doesn't like, as long as we believe in them, that, that still means they exist. And it works for our ancestors too, like our family. Like if our family passed, the fact like, you know, I feel like Western society, like even though we, we go and put flowers on graves or something like that, we're one of the only societies that doesn't like actually actively interact with our ancestors a lot. Like a lot of like mm. Asian cultures and stuff, they're constantly going and lighting incense for their, you know, for their like, you know, grandparents or their, their fallen ancestors and things like that because we're, we're carrying them on, you know, and we are our ancestors and tapping into this part. And this is actually something that I'm very recently dedicating time to like actually building a little altar to my ancestors um to really try to connect with this because i felt very con disconnected from like my family and stuff like that in, in multiple ways and yeah it's really starting to help me to um and making me realize why we don't have this as a norm like mm. it, it's actually like one of the first things that's come up for me is like why isn't this normalized mm. um yeah yeah that was yeah that's another tangent but um <laughs> In a nutshell, we do believe in the fairies. We do. We do. We do. And, <laughs> um, demons aren't bad. Give your demons clapping, some... Clapping. We're clapping. Tinkerbell back to life. Ding, yeah. Clap um, harder, Peter. <laughs> um, give your demons some shortbread and some mead and they'll be happy. Um, get educated decondition your framework and be curious about your framework and your beliefs as they are where they come from and, and why you solid authentic framework in order to work with these kind of spirits come and do the ritual embodiment yoga teacher training which will learn the five elements system and how to make offerings to spirits which will be all linked in the show notes below i highly <laughs> recommend it you'll be led by this incredible mage you have spent so much time with on this podcast with daniel Woolley and coming uh thank you any um last little thoughts one-liners phrases that you would like to leave the audience with uh i think this leads into another one that we're going to do but it is always the people that have the most to say about things and the strongest opinion about things that often have never actually experienced the thing that they're talking about the people the people that will tell you that magic is bad and the demons are bad and you know, all this kind of thing are the ones that have never fucking practiced it, that have just been hearing things. And, um, yeah, so it's always... regurgitating it. Yeah, it's always the people that will tell you, like, you know, don't do this, don't go and smoke weed, that have never smoked it. You know, they've, like, just, just, you know what I mean? Let's go out and do the thing. Get out the armchair and actually go practice something and then come back to... Then come back to us. Yeah, and, if you get anything from this podcast, like, yeah, just, you know, go roll up a J and summon a demon. Yeah, pretty much. Mic drop, boom. And, <laughs> and write to us and let us know what. <laughs> Disclaimer, like, this is not financial advice. Yeah. <laughs> this is not spiritual Don't advice. Don't try this at home, kids. Yeah. yeah. We hold no liability to what happens. But uh, thank you again for joining me on this podcast, Daniel. I look forward to many more to come. Like, We've been wanting to do this one for a hot minute. Um, and now's the time. Now's the time to start opening up more of these sort of discussions because they're very much needed in the world at the moment. So, so if you if you love hearing me and Cass uh, go on all these tangents and, and chat about all the things, please let us know. Drop it in the comments. Send us an email. Send us a letter. 
Send us, send, send us, us an owl. Yeah. Send us a demon. Send us an owl. <laughs> yeah. send, us your, send us your favorite uh, de demonic artwork or uh, fan art. Uh, send us money. We we love money here. We too. love money, and I think that's going to be the most um, invigorate, not invigorating, motivated. What's your um, PayPal if people would just want to randomly <laughs> donate and send you money? What, just PayPal. PayPal. Me slash Cassie. Polky. I'm pretty sure it is. We'll see Polky. I'm not going to give my email. <laughs> you can put it in the just show. Just send me notes. up. I'll put it in the show notes. Send Cassandra money. But um, enjoy the rest of your day, everyone, and let us know if you start getting into these sort of practices and if you have yourself experienced um, journeying with this side of magic and the occult because I think a lot of the time they are a little bit reclusive, the people that do this type of magic, but we need to find our tribe and join forces to dominate the world. Exactly. Stay classy, stay heretical. We out. We out. <laughs> Peace. Peace.